From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. Yeah, all right. So hey, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to dive in today. Paul says there are three things that will endure, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Let love be our highest goal. Now, I fudged into chapter 14 a little bit. Let love be your highest goal. In other words, actively chase a life of love. So we've been studying love, and we understand from our early study, love is not an emotion, which is probably an important thing to call out in our culture because our culture would approach love so much as an emotion, so much as a feeling, And Paul is not teaching that. Paul's teaching something very different. What the words he uses is patient and kind. So we understand that love is a patiently kind posture towards others. I would use the word actionably. We're actionably loving others. It's not an emotion. It's an actual tangible activity towards other people. I'd love to restate this last phrase, let the way you love other people be the defining aspect of your everyday life. Think about let love be your highest goal, which sounds very lofty. and It sounds very like, yeah, that's a great phrase. You know, it belongs on a placard in my office. But the, but the nuts and bolts of it are let the way you love other people be the defining aspect of your life. So Paul, is, in his effort to show this young Corinthian culture what love looks like, he kind of lays out a continuum, and I want to work through it for a little bit. We've looked at the first part of it, which is what I would call, the, I would phrase that by the question, am I meaningless noise? And Paul will say in chapter one, if I could speak in any language in heaven or in earth, but I didn't love others, I would be making meaningless noise. And he goes on through this, and he keeps re- restating this, which is, and, and his, his end game is, Loving other people is important. In fact, my love of other people, my actionable, active love into other people's life is more important than my giftings. Paul will say love is what makes me substantial. You say, no, it isn't. Yes, it is, because Paul says without it, my life doesn't matter. The word phrase he uses means to carry no substance or no weight. It's a very, very strong statement. And then the kicker in it is this phrase that he uses, but if I didn't love others. And what he reveals in that is the worst part of it. Love is my choice. So the way I actively, actionably love other people is my choice. And and isn't it so often in our culture that we would want to blame others for my lack of love? Because of the way they handle themselves towards me, it gives me a right or an entitlement or permission to be unloving, to remove my active love. And see, Paul, Paul's goal with this young Corinthian church is to say, hey, I need you to understand your love is your decision. And so he, he moves into a phrase, some of us have read chapter 13, and if you haven't figured out already, I'm bouncing around in the chapter, and you're like, well, we're not going to read it all. Guess what? You have a Bible. You can read it. And he goes into this passage about childlike tendencies. He says, it's like this, when I was a child and I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child does. How does a child speak and think and reason? 
Some of you have raised children, you've been around children, and there are phrases that kids will say, and, and, and maybe, maybe we're going to encapsulate them, but for the most part, kids want what they want when they want it. And for the most part, if a kid wants something, they're going to take it. Because whether it belongs to them or not is less important than the fact that they want it. And so there's this incredible self-focused tendency in children. Now, when we're around a child, we recognize that. We also recognize that it's okay because they're not supposed to be an adult yet. Can you imagine coming upon a three-year-old and the three-year-old says to you in, in a very childlike voice, would you mind passing that over to me? I would like to use it. Oh, are you, are you using? It's okay. We don't expect three-year-olds to know how to defer like that. We expect the immaturity because it's part of the age. And so Paul's statement is, while we understand that in the natural realm, here's the concern. In the active love realm, we, send, we tend to give ourselves a pass to stay childish. And he gives a list of childish activities But the next phrase he says is, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now I'm going to tell it straight up. Paul's not trying to expose himself as being great. Paul's trying to kind of lay a trap for us. So the conclusion we come to is if this list of childish things is in my life, I need to grow up. That's his end game. This phrase, I put away, is important for us. I would love to submit a simple idea. Maturity is never accidental. Spiritual maturity is never connected to time. It's always connected to intentional choice. The idea is to become like Jesus, is it not? So Paul's statement to this young Corinthian church is, I want to show you a list of things that aren't like Jesus. And I'm going to show you a list of things that are. Why? Because his hope is by seeing these two lists, it causes in them and in us a passion to say, oh man, I need to let go of that and choose this. So I want to take a look at these lists. The first one is what I call the childish list. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, and it keeps no record of when it's been wronged. It's never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. We have become so familiar with this that it kind of rolls off the tongue like a Hallmark card. But I want to break down these words and look at what it is. Because Paul says, childish love is jealous. The word jealous is envious or contentious. It's to be a rival. So what that means is every time in my life that I see myself stepping into a place where it's me against someone else, where I'm pitting myself against them and, and we're standing at, 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 as a rival and, and there's a contentiousness in me. How many have ever been contentious? You know what the word means. How many have ever been envious? So Paul says, I want you to understand that that is immaturity. And he goes on and says, it's boastful. Love is not, it's not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. Boastful and proud, two words that both carry the idea of inflating. One is to put oneself forward. The other is to puff up. One is a defensive position. The other is an offensive position. But they're both rooted in the same issue, which is insecurity. And Paul says, that 
is immaturity. Next two words are rude and demanding. They're interesting words because demanding is a word that means self-seeking or self-focused. So we would say it this way. It deals with what matters to me. It's what I want. The word rude is the willingness to choose poor behavior because of what I want. Now some of us, I, know, I understand when we read this list, we're like, oh man, this list is killing me. That's Paul's whole point. The next one is probably the most difficult for me. It's love is not irritable. The word means to be sharp or to be harsh. It de- it's a qualifier of communication. Harshness deals with how I communicate to those around me. And there's a sense in our culture specifically that if someone crosses that imaginary line that I've placed in front of me and around me, it entitles me to lash out, to put them back at distance. Is that not a part of how we see, what we see in our culture? And Paul says, I understand it's there, but I need you to know that's immaturity. It's childishness in the kingdom. How many have ever been hurt by somebody? How many have ever said, I forgive you? How many inside your head said, but I'm not going to forget? Oh, I would never say that. No, no, we would never say that. That sounds far too awful. But the reality is, the next time they hurt us, it draws out of a place of woundedness. That sense of, I can't trust you anymore. You've hurt me before. You now hurt me. You're, you're creating a precedent in my life that says you're a source of pain. And see, Paul uses a word here. Love does not keep record of wrong. The word literally means to calculate into the ledger of the mind an offense. It means I hold it. Paul says that's immaturity. And if we're doing that, it's childish. And he goes on, he uses two phrases. One is, love never gets excited about injustice. Struggled with this, trying to figure out what in the world does that really mean? Because that seems like, like a noble phrase. It's like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Has anyone ever had someone in your life who hurt you you worked past it, but later on they kind of got what was coming to them. And you had that thing inside where you're like, yep, I knew it was coming. <laughs> See, that's that idea. Because what it's indicative of is I never really let the offense go. So Paul goes and he adds another list and says, hey, if this is the negative list of what is childish in the kingdom, Remember, he's talking to believers. He's exposing things that he knows that they deal with on a daily basis. So the fact that we feel a little exposed, it's okay. That's the intent of his writing. But he draws us to another list that says, love is patient and kind and it it never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. But prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge, they'll all disappear. And he begins to show us that grown-up love, the love that Jesus is calling us to walk in, Grown-up love never gives up. Now, that never gives up feels like a big phrase. It's hard to define. If we look at the root word, it's very, very interesting. The root word means to bear or cover up. That grown-up love bears or covers up. Do you remember in Ephesians 4 where Paul says, let us make allowances for each other's faults? 
He's literally saying, grown up loving the kingdom creates a space around us that says, you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to be right, I'm here and I'm going to love you regardless. I've created a safe place for you to be a screw up. Because I'm going to cover it over. Noah has a son. That the scripture says God deals with this son harshly because his son exposed Noah's nakedness is the way the scriptures report it. See, there's a thing in the heart of God that says, I know grace wins and I want you to know grace wins, so I'm inviting you to walk graciously. Can I just tell you? We can actually cover over and it's not wrong. Isn't there such a hardwired thing in us that wants to expose? And Paul says, grown-up love doesn't do that. He says, grown-up love never loses faith. What does that mean? The word phrase means to remain in trust. And it is the idea of being consistent in our posture regardless of the woundedness that's come to us. That's a tough one, is it not? Because it seems like in our culture what we're taught is if someone hurts me, I have the right to distance myself. That's only wisdom. Instead of staying postured in their life and saying, look, I know you screwed up. I know you've been wrong. I still love you. I'm still here. I still trust you. Paul says that's grown-up love. Paul says grown-up love hopes, which the word phrase means to live full of joy and confidence despite circumstances. So now Paul's moving away from how other people handle us, and he's moving to how we handle life. So if we are to live in love, what that means is regardless of my circumstances, no matter how tough they are, no matter how good they are, I am full of joy and confidence. That has to come from one place and one place only. It's because I'm with him. I'm living before him. He's my source. The world's not my source. So one of the keys to this idea of living in love is to disconnect from my circumstance and connect to the source and realize that he's put me in every situation I'm in so I can be joyful and confident. What if I don't like it? I don't see any allowance for that. I don't think it's wrong to tell the Lord, I'm not happy with where you put me. I doubt Daniel was like, I'm so stoked you put me in the lion's den. I doubt Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego were real excited about the fiery furnace. In fact, going into it, they're like, look, God can fix it. He can take care of it. But if he doesn't, then we die with honor. And there's this willingness to say, my circumstances are never going to inform my joy. My joy comes from him. Paul says, grown-up love remains. Oh, this is a tough one. The word literally means to stay under to have fortitude and perseverance. To stay under, have fortitude and perseverance. It is the idea of being in difficulty, having the option to bail, to jump ship, but having the integrity of heart to say, I trust you enough that if you placed me here, I will not remove myself. And I would love to submit to us that without that kind of love in our life, most of us are going to reloop the same problem over and over again. Because our Father, in His love, will lead us into places that are intended to grow us, rub on us, make us into the image of Jesus. But we tend to jump ship and bail because we don't trust Him. And Paul says, grown up love understands how to stay when it's tough. Can you imagine what our city would look like if marriage is understood the fundamental value of marriage is no matter how tough it gets, I'm staying? It's this same idea, but now we apply it to all of life. You don't know my job. You know what? God does. 
you're welcome to go to the Father and say, hey, if you want me out of this, will you, t- will you please open a door to get me out of this? But if you don't, so be it. I will humbly, gently surrender to you. Say, wait, 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 tell me, you're talking about work. That's my territory. No, no, no. It's in him we live. It's in him we move. It's in him we have our being, which means there's nothing I do or you do that's ever disconnected from my relationship with him. Paul says, grown-up love lasts forever. The word phrase means to not quit or leave a post. It means I never tap out. There is no moment in my life where I say I can't do it anymore. I'm out. I'm done. Isn't that such a human response? It's such an entitled response. I've had enough. And Paul says, grown-up love doesn't do that. It just stays put. Some of us need right now to hear that in our work relationships, in our marriage relationships, Grown-up love doesn't tap out. Even if you feel like you have the right to, grown-up love doesn't. Here's my question. We have these two lists. One, the results of immaturity and childishness in the kingdom. One, the goal of maturity. What do I do when I see all the immaturity coming out of me? What do I do in a situation where I see irritable, harsh tendencies? What do I do in a situation where I want to bail and give up? Because the concern is this can't be for us browbeating and, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm awful again. I just want to show us something in First John. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And God showed you how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. We love each other as a result of his loving us first. See, here's my goal in this. When I see this childish list come out of me, It should just be a wake-up call that says, hey, I need to go sit with love. I need more time with him. Because what that list reveals is I don't really know him yet. I haven't given him control yet. Not in a woe is me, but in an authentic place of I do long to be like my father. I do long to look like Jesus. I'm never going to be okay. You see, because love is my choice, right? And Paul says, Let love be your highest goal. The number one thing in your life that Paul's calling us to pursue is the way we love others. So that means the greatest concern I should have in my life is how do I handle the world around me? Am I living in the grown-up list or the childish list? None of us, if I said, how many of you want to stay immature forever, be like, yep. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. None of us would say that when it comes to love. My heart for us is that revival, the the heart cry for the presence of God to invade our culture, begins at a home front level where we're willing to say, before I can cry out for the influence of God in a region, I have to have the influence of God in me. I have to know that I'm surrendered and submitted to him. My question is, where are we at on the list continuum? When we go through this list of Childish love, do we find things glaring at us and sticking out going, oh, yep. Then the right answer is to make a movement towards him and be honest. 
we use this word repentance, and it literally means just to agree with God. Repentance means, yep, Lord, I totally, I agree with you, that's wrong. It doesn't have to be a hugely emotional thing. It could be academic. Hey, Lord, that thing I did was totally wrong. Will you help me, Holy Spirit, in that situation? Gentlemen, I can tell you that there are several times when I've heard the Holy Spirit tell me to shut up. Well, he'll just whisper, shut up. Don't talk. If we allow him, he'll guide us through this process. So I want us to take bread and cup this morning. And I'd love to just invite us, whether we're in friendship groups or family units or or alone, just to take a couple minutes and talk to the Holy Spirit about this and ask. Search my heart. Know me. How am I doing? Am I living in the childish side of things? Maybe you already know. I don't even have to ask God. I know where I'm at on it. Great. But let's not settle for immaturity. Let's do what Paul says and put it away and choose to live in to the maturity of the kingdom. Let's stand this morning. If you're new in our culture, we want to welcome you. If uh, Bread and Cup is just a time we celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus, we believe he says to do this when we gather together in remembrance of him. We recognize the cross, and it's the moment that he gave his life for us. If, you're, if you'd like somebody to pray with you this morning, we have team members in the back corners. They have lanyards on. It'd be their honor and privilege to pray with you about whatever it is you might need. But I want us to take bread and cup this morning and just take a few minutes and just get honest with the Lord about this issue. How's my love? Is love the highest goal of my life? Or have I pushed it away and chased other things instead? You see, because Paul seems to say a lot of us will want to pursue giftings and skill sets instead of love, but love needs to be our main pursuit. If you're here and you're in marriages, probably have some stuff to talk about. Let's not move past this moment and just let it kind of go in one ear and out the other. Let's sit in it and let God deal with us and shape us into the people he wants us to be. Amen? Holy Spirit, would you come be with us? Lord, if there's places where you need to touch our emotions, we invite you. But Lord, if it's simply an academic understanding of, hey, that's wrong, I need to change. I just ask this morning there be an incredible grace in this room to move out of childishness into maturity, to become people who actively love others well. Let's take bread and cup. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at VintageCityChurch.com.